Welcome to Ancient Words, Modern Message. I'm your host, Roger Womble. The past is a mirror, and the more we examine what came before us, the more we can understand where we are heading. In 1980, country singer Mac Davis recorded a song he had written with the whimsical lyric, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. That record quickly climbed to the top of the charts, probably because it was so outrageous for anyone to claim to be perfect. Nearly everyone is aware of his or her own flaws and imperfections. But the good news is that God delights in using people who are not at all perfect and in doing great things through them in spite of their flaws. The history of the kings of the southern kingdom of Israel includes one king who was described as the best of the good and godly rulers, and yet he was not perfect. We'll learn of his major character flaw and what it means to us in this fifth in the series entitled appropriately, Not Perfect, But Good, Studies in the Life and Reign of King Hezekiah, an episode we call Great Treasure in Not-So-Great Containers. Thanks for joining us in this study designed to encourage all of us who are far less than perfect. I would remind you that the southern kingdom of Israel, that would be uh, oftentimes called Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, when when the nation of Israel divided after the death of King Solomon into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, there was a series of 20 kings beginning with Solomon's son, whose name was Rehoboam. He was the first of 20. There was a series of 20 kings of the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, leading up to ultimately the defeat of the southern kingdom at the hands of the Babylonians. Uh, Of those 20 kings, the 13th of those 20 was a man named Hezekiah. And interestingly, of the 20 kings of the southern kingdom, Judah, uh, in the record in 2 Kings, uh, and uh, I should say in Kings and Chronicles, uh, we are told that of those 20 kings of the southern kingdom, actually eight of them are identified as good and godly kings. Now, when it came to the northern kingdom, Not one of the kings of the northern kingdom is described as being good and godly, but only wicked, and one trying to be more wicked than the others. But of these eight good and godly kings, we are told that the best of those good and godly kings was King Hezekiah. But as good as he was, he was not perfect. Now, the title of this series, and maybe you've wondered about this, the title of this series is Not Perfect, But Good. Not Perfect, But Good. And certainly, it can be said of King Hezekiah that he was 
a good and godly king, the best of the good godly kings, but he was not perfect. And so in the study that we're, that we're doing today, we are going to note uh, the, uh, the event in Hezekiah's life that indicates that he was not perfect. That in fact, he had a very significant character flaw. And the character flaw of King Hezekiah is actually recorded in three places in the Old Testament. It is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 20. And then, interestingly, uh, there is a chapter or a section in the book of Isaiah, the major prophet Isaiah, uh, that, that records events of King Hezekiah's reign. And actually, chapter 39 of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, is a record of this character flaw. And if you were to read Isaiah chapter 39, you would find that it reads almost word for word like the, the account in 2 Kings chapter 20. But then there's a third place where this event is recorded, and that is in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 32. And that section adds some notes that we don't have in 2 Kings or in the almost verbatim parallel passage in Isaiah 39. And that's why in our study today, we're actually looking uh, at, um, at two sections and one of those would be 2 Kings 20, and the other would be the account in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. I would remind you of the time sequence of this event that demonstrates the character flaw in King Hezekiah. So the event that we're going to be reading about here followed uh, this very extensive program that we've already read about uh, that uh, Hezekiah introduced, it was an extensive program of religious reformation. Because remember that Hezekiah's father um, was a very, very wicked king who had actually introduced, Ahaz was his name, had introduced uh, many elements of the various false religions surrounding the Jewish people in the southern kingdom. But then uh, the son of King Ahaz comes onto the scene and amazingly he says, my heart belongs to the Lord God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of David. And so he initiates this very ambitious and extensive uh, program of religious reformation. And the result of that, as we have already read and considered, was a national revival. Uh, which is most amazing when you realize the wickedness that was pervasive throughout the southern kingdom. But then there was a national revival that followed that religious reformation, and the result of that was a time of great prosperity and great blessing by God on the southern kingdom of Israel. And so uh, with this, I would, uh, I would turn your attention uh, to the text and specifically the second chronicles passage that's at the bottom of the page the second chronicles passage uh, beginning and we're going to begin by looking at verse 27 
So it's 2 Chronicles 32, verse 27, where we find this. And Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made for himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of costly vessels. He made storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds. He likewise provided cities for himself and flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very great possessions. This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon and directed them down to the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. That was the result of this great spiritual revival and God pouring out his blessings on Hezekiah and the southern kingdom. Now, all of that has already taken place before the event we're about to consider. But then there was something else. The something else was a, a very serious illness that King Hezekiah had. We have already studied that. And what happened in that situation? Notice verse 24 of 2 Chronicles 32 at the bottom of the page. 2 Chronicles 32, 24. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And he prayed to the Lord and he answered him and gave him a sign that he was going to heal him. So there was a miraculous healing from a near fatal illness. And all of that has taken place before. Now we come to this event. But before we delve into that, I would remind you that the dominant world power in the, in the Mideast at the time of Hezekiah, Hezekiah's reign was the Assyrian Empire. Uh, the Assyrian army had already destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember the dates of Hezekiah's reign. He began to reign in 1716 BC, and he reigned for 29 years uh, until 687 BC. But he began his reign in 716 BC. And six years before that, before Hezekiah took the throne, in 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel fell at the hands of the Assyrian army and the destruction of the capital city of Samaria. And so Assyria was the dominant power, but there was another power that was on the rise in the region. And that power was the were the Babylonians. They were a rising force at that period of time. Now, with that being the case, we begin to consider this event uh, that took place. And the first thing we notice is this. At the top of the page, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 12. At that time, Merodach Baladon, you remember him, of course. At that time, Merodach Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah. So, we begin by considering the fact that there was a group of emissaries who were sent by the king of Babylon 
to Hezekiah in the southern kingdom. Look at the bottom of your page, and there's the Second Chronicles 32 passage, verse 31. And so, in the matter of the envoys of the princes of Babylon. So, why did these representatives of the Babylonian uh, government and people, why did they come to King Hezekiah? Well, I would suggest to you that, uh, that this visit by these individuals, we don't know how many of them there were, but this visit by these individuals was prompted by three factors. Three factors. Uh, the first one, I would suggest to you, was, was theology. It was actually a theological um, enterprise. Notice verse 12 at the top of the page. At that time, Merodach Baladon, the son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. So word reached the king of Babylon of what had happened to the king of the southern kingdom, Hezekiah. And in fact, verse 24 at the bottom of the page, 2 Chronicles 32, reminds us of how serious that was. In those days, Hezekiah became sick, was at the point of death, and he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered him. Now, news of that apparently reached the court of the king of Babylon, that the king of the southern kingdom was on his deathbed, and he prayed to his God, and his God healed him. And in fact, he was raised up from his deathbed in three days. Now, the Babylonians worshipped other gods. But when they heard that the God of the Jewish people in the southern kingdom did this amazing thing because Hezekiah prayed, it would appear as if the king of Babylon said, I want to hear more about this. I have some theological questions. So that was one of the factors, theological, theology. But the second factor, apparently, has to do with astrology. And astrology was a very important part of the culture of the Babylonian people and the Babylonian empire. They followed the stars and the heavenly bodies religiously. And I use that word advisedly. They considered it to be a sort of religion to see the movement of the stars and the other heavenly bodies and the impact that they would have on people, including the Babylonian Empire. And so, uh, actually, the idea that God, through his prophet Isaiah, had given a sign to Hezekiah that he was going to be healed. And what was that sign? Remember the sundial in the palace of King Hezekiah went backward instead of forward. And apparently word of that reached the ears of the king of Babylon, and he sent his emissaries to check into what exactly happened. Did the sun stop 
Uh, or did the Earth stop its rotation, I should say? Did the Earth stop its rotation and reverse its rotation? And so there was concern about astrology. But then, of course, and by the way, I should say this, uh, verse 31, we know that that was part of the, the uh, inquiry because verse 31 says at the bottom of the page, and so in the matter of the envoys of the princes of Babylon who had been sent to him, that is to Hezekiah, to inquire about the sign, that sign, the reverse of the sundial that had been done in the land. And so these emissaries arrive, and then what do we read about Hezekiah's response? Well, notice verse 12 in 2 Kings 20 at the top of the page. Uh, these envoys arrive with uh, gifts, and Hezekiah is very flattered by that, that these emissaries of the king of Babylon would come and give him gifts and be interested in him. So he decides to give them a guided tour of all that he had. Verse 13 in 2 Kings 20, Hezekiah welcomed them and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory. That's stupid. <laughs> he shows them his weapons. All that was found in his storehouses, there was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? Word reached the prophet's ears. There are some people from outside of the southern kingdom who are talking to the king. So Isaiah says, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country from Babylon. You could, it almost reeks of pride, doesn't it? They've come from a far country to see me, little old me, from Babylon. Verse 15, Isaiah said, what have they seen in your house? What did you show them? Hezekiah answered, everything. They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Now, more to say about that in just a moment. But what is clearly evident here is the pride of King Hezekiah. And the fact that he was flaunting everything that he had. Drop down to the Second Chronicles 32 passage and Verse 24 tells us about the miraculous healing of King Hezekiah. But notice verse 25 of 2 Chronicles 32. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him. That is the miraculous healing that God had given him, along with all the prosperity he had enjoyed. So Hezekiah didn't respond appropriately. He did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud Therefore, wrath came upon him and Judah and Jerusalem. So what is the message of Isaiah the prophet now? Here it is, verse 16 from 2 Kings 20. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. 
Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house, you're so proud of everything you have. The days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Some of your own sons, your descendants, who shall be born to you and to your descendants shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. That, I would suggest to you, is heavy duty. Actually, Isaiah says, you're going to face judgment at the hand of the Lord, but not you at this period of time, but rather your descendants. There's an interesting indication of maybe another character flaw in Hezekiah in his response in verse 19. Do you see that? Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, the word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. Well, it doesn't sound real good, does it? For he thought, Hezekiah thought, why not say it's good? Why not if there will be peace and security in my days? That, of course, is very, very short-sighted regarding his nation. What we do understand is, and this is good from 2 Chronicles 32, that when this message came from Isaiah, Hezekiah was rebuked by what Isaiah said. And notice verse 26 of 2 Chronicles 32. But Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. But nonetheless, the prophecy of Isaiah stood. And in fact, just as Isaiah had prophesied 100 years later, these very Babylonians who had visited Hezekiah, on this occasion, the Babylonian army swept down in a series of invasions on the southern kingdom, and in 586 BC, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple in Jerusalem was sacked, all of the, the possessions, the riches of the southern kingdom were hauled back to Babylon, as Isaiah said they would be, and the very descendants, many of them, of Hezekiah and the Jewish people of the southern kingdom were carried off into Babylon. So, he wasn't perfect, but he was good. I like to read that, because I have trouble being perfect. Don't you? And I like the idea that God can still use people with their flaws and imperfections. Think of King David. King David, who was described in the scriptures as a man after God's own heart, had his own moral failures. You know about them. There was that business with Bathsheba. And lining up the killing of her husband, Uriah the Hittite. But now we have Hezekiah, a descendant of David, who is a good and godly king, but not perfect. And so... The encouragement for all of us is this. No matter what our short 
shortcomings might be and our failures, God can still use us. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, is referring to the gospel message. And he says that God has entrusted the gospel message to us, to you, to me, to the followers of Jesus. God has entrusted the treasure of the gospel message to us. But he has put it in clay pots. And we are the clay pots. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. There are those who say that when we pray for Israel and the Jewish people, we're saying that everything they do is right. We don't. But God has used them in the past, is using them now, and will continue to use them in the future. He is not finished with them. But whatever he does, the great miracle that we hope and pray he does there, that great miracle is not because of them. It's because of him. And may that be so. Thanks for listening to Ancient Words, Modern Message. You can expect a new episode every other Monday, so please join us again. Ancient Words, Modern Message is supported by Hebrew Christian Fellowship. To learn more about our ministry or to ask a question, contact us at hcfellowship4819 at gmail.com. If you know someone who might be interested in this teaching, please share it with them. And please consider leaving a review of what you've heard on Apple Podcast. Your input helps us make our program even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for Ancient Words, Modern Message, scroll down until you see Write a Review, and tell us what you think. Ancient Words, Modern Message is produced by Studio D Podcast Production. And I'm your host, Roger Womble reminding you that the Word of God is living and active. Until next time, showers of blessings on you and those you love.